Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by fellow consultant Ash Smith. Hey, Ash. Hi, Dom. How are you? I am doing really well, Ash. It's great to have you back on the team. And that's my, bad, that's my bad dad joke. Because we're talking about the importance of teams uh, today. Yeah, uh, got it. <laughs> that was a bad dad joke. I've got a twelve-week-old, uh, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fresh <laughs> back in the practicing. Exactly. It's an interesting one, Ash, for me because I think today, you know, there's a lot of emphasis put on leadership, and rightly so. There's a lot of emphasis put on culture, and rightly so. Yep. But it can feel like. Teams are kind of the distant cousin or something. You know, I don't know if that's fair or not, but it feels like there's more attention on the other two, and there has to be. But, you know, what's the value? What's your best pitch for what's the value of working on teams? What do you reckon? Yeah, it's a good – look, I think it's a good point. You know, I think I'm a bit more overtly aware of the value of working on individual leadership and culture. Yeah, that it's it's been a big uh, focus for a long time, and and I think – I'm a bit older than you, so I grew up in sort of the 80s, 90s, early 2000s where team development was absolutely the focus. We didn't really understand culture as much as we do now and probably definitely didn't invest in leadership development anywhere near as much as we do now. And I think to some degree, teams does feel like it's dropped off a little bit. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. So whilst obviously if we've got the the time, the resources, the inclination, you know, to be able to put into, you know, really focused, planned long leadership development. I think that's a great opportunity. But I think Teams provides us another opportunity where, you know, we can put some energy and some focus on when groups of people come together, you know, do we just put a them together with an agenda and say, good luck? In fact, sometimes not even an agenda, just a bit of a title <laughs> of some sort of outcome, say good luck, you know, and then we wonder why they fail and or don't get on and end up being more dysfunctional than potentially they were prior. And so I think this opportunity for organisations to consider how do we use developing teams in a far more effective way that by nature will have a, you know, a flow-on effect to if we, if we have more dynamic, effective teams that deliver a better outcome than just a bunch of people working together that you know, in many cases become dysfunctional, that's going to have a positive impact on, on the culture more broadly. I think also, you know, if you're an individual sitting in a team, you come together as a group of people, you start working through, you know, what is our purpose here as a group? What are we supposed to be achieving? You know, what is my role within this team that I'm supposed to be contributing towards? And we actually, you know, have constructive debate to create a better outcome. Then that's got to flow on also to my own development, that I'm going to come out of those experiences feeling better about myself. I feel like I've learned something potentially. And or I've learned uh, that I've I've been you know more effective in those spaces than some of my colleagues, and therefore by my interactions they've learned some things potentially as well. So I think the flow-on effect of really working smartly around our team development space can actually have a really positive impact on those other two areas. And, and maybe with slightly and this is not a this is not a scientifically uh, validated uh, comment, but it's a. Yeah, maybe slightly less time and resource and effort required to deliver, you know, across a team 
process than, than it takes to go into deeper dive into leadership and culture. By no means am I suggesting we don't do need to do all three, but this is a, probably more about a conversation of we've got a limited time and resource and or we want to create a you know, focus area that we want, to, we want to start with. I just think we could use teams more effectively as well, uh, not instead of, but as well. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we throw a team together with, with or without an agenda and uh, mm. say good luck to you. And it's so true. Yeah. We, we think if we just put a bunch of smart, talented people together, it will work. Yeah. And it may, it may not, but we're just kind of leaving it up to chance a little, you know, and that's insane. You know, how many of the biggest decisions, most important decisions in an organization are made in a team? Yeah. I would say almost all of them. Yeah, I agree. Almost yeah, all I of them. And we're just hoping that that dynamic's going to work itself out somehow and be positive, you know, and having watched a lot of teams do problem solving and decision making, you know, you know that a bunch of them aren't at where they should be. Yeah. You know, and we're not getting to the best decision or the best answer because, you know, something in the dynamic is hijacking the conversation. Yeah. What does that mean as an organization, you know, for the success of our organization? It's not good. No, that's right. And I think particularly yeah, there's, there's a number of reasons people come together that we then subsequently call, call a team. I think if you look at those teams that are fundamentally working on an ongoing basis, like a senior leadership team or a you know, project team who have got more than just sort of come together for a couple of you know, interactions that then lead to a decision or an outcome, which is still important, and I'll, we'll touch on that shortly. But I'm sort of starting with that thinking around, to your point, you know, the amount of decisions that are made at team level. How many decisions, processes, discussions, you know, setting strategy, all these sorts of things happen with teams that are constantly working together. And if they're ineffective, that's got to flow into the level of decision-making that's made, whether it's quality of the decision-making, whether it's the buy-in to the decision-making, the communication of alignment to that, to the rest of the organisation, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the positive approach to that is to say, well, Ed, how do we make sure that instead of leaving it to chance, that it's a really overt part of our broader OD strategy, which is how we develop our leaders, where is our culture, is it supportive of the delivery of the strategy in an effective way or is there hindrances in it, and how are we making sure that our teams are working in the most dynamic and productive way they can in implementing, developing decisions, etc. And I think the opportunity exists for us to be just that little bit more overt in being focused in developing teams and not hoping they'll work well, by just putting them together, including the existing ones. You know, having been part of many senior leadership teams myself in different organizations, the energy and the quality that is, and, and, and ownership, you know, passionate ownership when it's an effective team is fundamentally different to when it's not. You know, in all those elements, the quality of the decision, the buy into the decision. I watch ineffective leadership teams go out and tell completely different stories to their teams about what was uh -huh. just decided in that meeting versus those effective teams who have had some structure in the way they go about things. When they hear somebody's, another person's area or uh, somebody talking less effectively about one of their colleagues or the decision that was made in that situation, they jump in and help and support and say, yeah, no, actually, that's not quite right. Dom didn't, didn't necessarily actually say that, and we've agreed to, the, to those processes as a, as a leadership team after vigorous debate, but we believe that we've now come up with the best decision. And so there's this real ownership and defense. And of course, what that leads to is that people realize, well, you're not going to separate this leadership team if I'm trying to, you know, 
pull it apart. They're united. They're effective. I have to get behind it. And so it actually creates then the impact, as I said earlier, on culture, which is the culture is that this organization's tight. When we make a decision, it's had robust debate. It's agreed. It's aligned. It's bought into. And away we go. And that's a lack of disruption occurs as a result versus the other approach, which is there's then constant disruption as a result of that less effective team dynamic. So I think there's a real opportunity for being more focused in making sure our teams are deliberate and not just sort of, you know, cross the fingers and hope they succeed. 100%. And, you know, we're talking about a leadership team there with strategy, which of course is super important. But you mentioned earlier as well, it's actually an awesome opportunity to go deeper and wider in the organization because with leadership development, unsurprisingly, it's leaders. You know, and hey, of course, that's super important. Leaders have a, I suppose, a oversized impact, you know, on others as we've talked about previously. But, you know, is that where development stops? I guess, you know, and so hey, that's what, ten percent of your workforce or who however many it is. With the group development, team development, it's scalable. You know, yeah. We can put a lot more people through a team experience at a more you know, a cheaper rate, basically, what the GSI is like $22 a head or something, you know, versus LSI, which needs to be debriefed and stuff. Now, I love LSI, of course, but for a lot of organizations, it's not practical to put everyone through that experience, right? Yeah. And so it's an awesome way to get people a hands-on experience with the language, with the tools on something that they can fully influence. You know, the dynamic of your team is within your control. And so- Get them involved in that. Get them going on that. It's a way to learn the language. It's a way to, because you know what naturally happens as well? Like I'll do Circumplex 101 with a team, talking at a team level, but everyone starts thinking about themselves as well. Yes, that's right. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, I do a bit of that or I don't do that or what have you. Yeah, look, you know, and I think, you know, without going into sort of the details of the approach, you know, the approach I think should of good team development should always be about helping people reflect on how are they contributing to that dynamic? So, you know, we're obviously looking at trying to understand well, what's the purpose of that team in the first place and what roles do I each of us are playing in that particular team dynamic with the view that hopefully you're only in that team because you're adding some value in some capacity as opposed to lots of people in a team that actually have no real contribution. So, therefore, that makes a dynamic in a team that makes it less effective. So you've got people that are not invested in or, or believe that they add any value to it. And then the ability to sort of, you know, constructively work through, you know, managing outcomes, you know, so how do we make sure the quality and the, and the buy-in is, is achieved? The reality is, though, when we assess that through using things like GSI to say, well, how did the group believe that that dynamic in working through that problem was reflected in, in behaviour? It's also got to be about, so what did I contribute to that? You know, was right. I too quiet? Did I speak too much? Did I, you know, not offer up any, you know, varying ideas did I criticize other people's ideas did I talk over the top all those sorts of varying behaviors you know do I reflect on what I did to contribute to that including of course all the positive contributions that we we make within those team environments as well so it's about making sure that not only do we understand what it is at the group level and if I think about an analogy I've used in the past you know if I look at purely GSI I'm probably looking out the window what did everything happen outside but what we also want to do is reflect in the mirror and say, well, what did I contribute positively or otherwise to that group dynamic as well? So I think by nature, back to my sort of earlier point, it does sort of bleed into the area of yeah. individual thinking and development as well as the culture piece. 
and that's a good example you just raised around if I'm doing some development in the GSI group development space, by nature it has to reflect in your own contribution or otherwise. And whether you notice it or not, you do start to, as you say, reflect on on your own thoughts and feelings. Well, and it can be interesting when you do, you know, hey, we all fill out the GSI and, hey, we had kind of different experiences. Yeah. I thought the group was kind of passive and they're saying, you know, they experienced it a bit more aggressively. And it can be because in the dynamic, no one's doing anything, so I'm going to come in and start telling everyone what to do. So I think they're being passive. They're like, oh, my God, Dominic took over and bulldozed us, you know, and, and both are true. And that's yeah. interesting for both of us. And I'll say to teams, because I'm with you, there, there's an element of both. There's an iron team as far as mm. how do we show up? How do we impact the team? But it doesn't stop there. You know, sometimes I think people are like, good. You know, like Dominic, showed, Dominic came in, he bulldozed his ideas through, he spoke, talked over everyone. He needs to go away and think about what he's done. And that's true. You know, I probably do need to go away. How do I show up? How do I impact others? You know, what's my behavior? And this is a team dynamic. And so it's actually not enough to say Dominic needs to just go away and think about what he does. We are responsible for the team dynamic as a team. So if someone's coming in and, and bulldozing others and talking over them or whatever, did we just sit back and watch that happen? Or did we do something? You know, and same the other way around. Oh, no one's participating. They're just sitting back. Okay. And did we just sit back and watch that happen? Or, hey, Ash, what's your view on this? You know, do we bring people into it? And so I love that because it challenges people that, yes, you know, for others, you know, what's our part of the pie, I guess. So others are behaving in certain ways. But as a team and as an individual on that team, what did I do in that moment? Yeah, and it goes. I think that's a great example of why it's got to be more of a deliberate approach to being versus, you know, let's just play it out. Let's just see how the team works. If, if again, you've got a more deliberate development around how these teams work, then you'll know whether the people in the team are there for a reason and therefore should be limited silence because I've got nothing to add. People that are in that team are there because they've got something to add. And secondly, we, in the early stages of developing the team, we understand each of our idiosyncrasies, our slightly different styles. Somebody may need a little bit more thinking time than others. Some are happy to you know, spitball out loud, all those sorts of other uh, variations to, to natural personalities, how comfortable we feel. It's the first time I've worked in that team, so let's be aware of Dom's only new to the team. So let's cut him some slack. We might need to give him some thinking time to contribute. And so we've set up all those dynamics up front as part of the deliberate team development process. You know, we do regular assessments of how we've performed in developing that next phase of the decision or the project so that we can see are we improving that dynamic, are we more aligned together, as opposed to, again, just leaving it by chance. So I think that point you raise is, is a great example of why these things need to be more deliberate. Set these things up up front so that when they're happening, you've got, as a team, the ability to go, hey, look, can I just so take a time out for a sec? I've noticed that not everyone's feeling comfortable to contribute. Or, for example, you know, I'm, I feel like I may have uh, spoken too much. Is that a concern for people? And or there's a process in the approaches the team where you every, you know, I'm just going to use an example. Where every hour you stop and just check in. I just like to check in on these three or four questions that we agreed on were the important rules of the team. How are we going? And so it allows you to more spontaneously deal with those challenges versus waiting until the end and it's spent a whole day and it was ineffective or, and or you don't even bother to assess it at all. And more importantly, you don't bother to set it up correctly in the first place. And so I think 
for me, the conversation's about if you're going to do t- team development, make it deliberate, make it specific around the highly effective teams. You know, where's the level of team development at and who are the individuals within that and how do we make sure we get the optimum max, uh, benefit out of everyone involved? And if you do that up front, I think it gives you really great mechanisms to address things as you go through. If you don't, then you're hoping and relying upon everyone's courage within the moment to stop and go, you know, and you and I probably are two people that are quite comfortable doing that, but we have to accept that not everyone is. So if you can create a system and a bit of a process within the team dynamic for that to occur, it might give people a little bit more of uh, an avenue to erase and address those things. Yeah, I like that idea of setting up a bit of a process or something, a procedure, I suppose, of, hey, hit the timeout button, you know, are we traveling in the right direction? You know, is this a productive conversation or have we just gone around saying the same thing five times each? <laughs> we keep going around in circles. You know, and some of those protocols and stuff are, are really useful. Yeah. One challenge, I think, Ash, like, you know, and, and you kind of talked about it, you know, back in the 80s and maybe <laughs> 90s, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, the old trust fall and the, uh, we kind of take the mickey out of some of that stuff today. But I think some of that has kind of left a maybe impression in people's heads or at times it can feel like there's these days people do where it's like a team day. We're going to take a day out. We're going to work on the team, blah, blah, blah. But then we come back into work the next day or the next week and we, we've kind of forgotten everything we just talked about and learned. We've left it in the workshop. So to you, how do teams take it from, hey, that was an interesting discussion or what have you, how do they bring it back with them? Yeah, I look, and for me, that's critical. I really struggle doing any sort of team, any development program where it's not very clearly able to help the individuals or the teams carry it forward because we sometimes, you know, we can go to some of the best days, you know, individual development days, two, you know, two day offsite with the team. We have a huge amount of fun, we can create some good connections, and certainly even that on its own can sometimes be a valuable reason for doing it is that we understand somebody more deeply than we did before and there's something about their background that we have a similar connection with and boy before you know it we're starting to have a more relaxed relationship and I stop in the corridor and have a chat with you that I didn't in the past so we shouldn't underestimate those sorts of outcomes of of those those sort of single event type situations but for me I do struggle a little bit where you know we don't set up a process that allows it to have life beyond those those sessions and so I think it's really critical that when it's when you're doing these things and you frame them up, that it's not about just this event. It's about what what are we going to be able to then agree, develop that we can carry on. And so for me, a large part of the value is that what were the processes and and, and protocols that we agreed as a team that we wanted to live by. Stick them into the the agenda or stick it into the project lead project plan where basically you're checking on those criteria at the end of each process, the end of each meeting. You may choose to eventually do it after every second meeting, but you, you've got to have it as part of your agenda. You've got to say it's not just what we're delivering, how are we delivering it? Because the what will be impacted on how well we do the how. So the quality of the innovation of the decision or the, the depth of the decision or the debate of the pros and cons of the things we ultimately create, the buy-in, the genuine buy-in from people, it's going to be impacted if we don't do it well along the way. So whatever we, whatever connections, whatever value we get out of those offsites, capture them and build them into the, the process for things to continue to be able to be seen from every meeting from there on. Like anything, including individual development, we, we do LSI work, we can do the debriefs, but unless you're sort of 
helping the person internally or, or through some support, helping them embed those new thoughts and behaviors and thinking beyond, it'll just disappear and it will be a nice bit of feedback, but they won't necessarily have got anything tangible out of it. You know, if it was if life was easy and we could just think about change and do it, we'd all be doing that. <laughs> I'd be 10 kilos lighter. Um, it just takes a bit more than that. So with the team stuff, I think it's the same. And that is don't just agree to it and let it disappear. You have to build it into the process beyond that so that it, it's seen and heard in every process after the offsite or t- team day so that people can see that it's live and real. And you can make a bit of a joke about it. You know, oh, that was an awesome discussion. How do we make sure we never talk about this again? You know, and <laughs> yeah. we don't execute on it, you know, and, yeah. and brainstorm around that. And of course, that's having a bit of love. Okay, well, we don't want to do that. So what's the opposite? You know, how do we keep this alive and make sure it's front of mind? And I think you're right. It's building in, yeah, at the end of that meeting, hey, just 10 minutes maybe. How did that go? Did we, you know, we agreed those four things. Did we do them or not? You know, and if not, cool. You know, that happens. Yeah. For next time, what are we going to do? Refocus. Yeah, and, and look, there's been many teams that I've been both supporting and directly involved in where we open up with that. Hey, look, you know, how we do this yep. today is really important to us, remember? So just a reminder, these are the two or three things that we're really passionate about, the way in which we want to handle today, including, you know, things like we want to be passionately able to, you know, disagree, but we're going to do it in an authentic and constructive way. So we're going to do it with... Empathy and, and respect, but uh, it's important that if you have a, a point of view and you, and you don't agree, that you, you feel safe to raise that. So it's not about just being nice to each other. It's not just about being really, you know, passive so that we all get on and, and leave because right. that will diminish the quality of the, the decisions oh, and the outcomes. Yep. So, again, you know, you and I both know we sometimes struggle that this space is seen as a bit, oh, nice. Yeah, it should be and it can be nice. But it doesn't. It's not about being nice. It's actually about being authentic. But it's also about being authentic and respectful. And so, being nice should be an, an ability to have constructive conflict because we're not we're not emotionally sticking to our point of view. We're, we're concentrating on what's the outcome here we're trying to achieve. Does their view, my view, add or detract from that outcome? And if so, then let's have a debate about that. And at the end of it. You know, metaphorically, you high five and go, yep, good, let's move on, happy with that, I'm prepared to buy into your your view, or we agree to disagree and we'll have a process to deal with those agree to disagree points of view. And your point earlier about sort of going around in circles, again, being able to call out, have we just violently agreed on the same point for the last 15 minutes? If we have, can we maybe just lock it away and move on? Or even violently disagreed on the same point, but we're not moving forward. Yes, you know, so right. we're just like, you're saying it, I'm saying it, you're saying it, you're saying it, and we're just like, okay, but... We're going nowhere here. And that's, you know, a pretty common dynamic that I see in teams. Without the protocols for doing this decision-making and problem-solving stuff is we just advocate whatever our position is. You know, I think we should do A. You think we should do B. A, B, A, B, A, B. Which comes back to the core of that dealing with what's, you know, the achievement piece of this team going, what's the outcome we're trying to achieve here, guys? So, you know, if you and I are debating over something, are we debating over something that adds to the outcome or are we debating something that's quite superficial to it? And therefore, we can quickly go, it's a good point, Dom, good point, Ash, but actually, well, I think we both need to now just walk away because it's relevant to the outcome we're trying to achieve here. Well, does A achieve the outcome? Does B achieve the outcome? You know, like, yeah. and a good team to me, a test of one is like, we shouldn't be advocating. It should be, we've got options A and option B. Yeah. Whether you suggested it or me is actually irrelevant. What are the merits of A? We should both be able to talk to that. What yeah. are the downsides of A? We should both be able to talk to that. Same goes yeah. for B. 
Brilliant. And so sometimes it's asking, hey, Ash, you know, talk to B, which wasn't your idea. What are the merits of it? Yeah. And if they can't articulate it very well, that's a problem. Yeah. Because they haven't yeah. really listened or considered. Yeah. That's probably, a, yeah, I think that's one of the most critical points in this, the dynamic of this whole conversation and how we interact within teams. You know, if we walk in with a preconceived idea or one is developed within the team, don't we hanging on to that? Then we've lost our ability to be a contributor to the team debate and discussion. We're focused on our own needs in that case. And so the ability to keep being able to reflect on your own sort of LSI one thinking as to how am I approaching this is fantastic. But of course, that's back to your earlier point around as a team, we have a responsibility to not just call somebody else's behavior, but in fact, how do we then manage and adopt our own more constructive approach, which is then to be able to say, look, I've got a position on A, but I'd like to understand B more before I, you know, continue to debate A. And again, it's that ability to have a really strong, humanistic, encouraging conversation. Tell me more about that, Don. Where's that thinking come from? You know, what else did you explore? How did you come up to that idea? And that exploration and curiosity that I'm going to have versus me now telling you A is better than B will probably allow me to go, actually, do you know what? A sucks. I like B. Let's go with B. In fact, actually, let's take a couple of items out of A and add it to B because that seems like even a better approach. What do you think? And so that ability to, as a team member, to be uh, curious and you know, self-actualizing enough to be able to say, I don't need to hold my point to stand out or be, or, um, you know, to be valuable here. In fact, my value can sometimes be able to help somebody get their point of view out in a way that the rest of the team goes, wow, that's a, that's a great idea versus having to have the great ideas. It's an awesome challenge to set yourself. How do I help them explain their idea in the best possible way? Yeah, a, well, it's the opposite. Thought. It's that classic of being oppositional. And, and you know, the, I think that's one of the traits in teams that really breaks teams down when there's a whole bunch of people sort of, oh, no, 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 that's not going to work and throw another idea. Oh, no, that's not going to work and throw another idea. And that sort of constant battle of piling on new ideas in an oppositional mindset versus just going, let's just sit with the first idea until it's fully explored and then we'll move on to the next one if we need to. Or how do we all just build upon that initial idea that gets us to the end game? I don't know how many times you've you've sort of had your own experience, Don, but I've quite often had situations where, you know, a leader sort of, you know, squashes ideas and then puts theirs on the table and it's the exact same summary of virtually everyone else's ideas combined. <laughs> and you go, okay, good idea, chap. You know, and that's just the inability to be able to explore versus having to own. So I think those are the sort of team dynamics that, again, a deliberate team development framework creates up front and then allows you to manage the team performance based on those on an ongoing basis. It's not a one-off hit. Uh, you can build that into your dynamic upfront in your agenda, your project plans, where you check in and make sure that we're all happy that we've performed at our best today. And that doesn't mean you're going to not make mistakes and have a bit of a vigorous debate and maybe not get alignment today. That's okay. You know that the next time you come together, you're all still going to go in there with a positive attitude with a view that today we will. Mm. No, I love it. And you've definitely uh, scratched an itch for me, Ash. One of my goals for this year is to develop, you know, a team problem solving kind of standard workshop, maybe a public offering or something. So there you go. I've put myself on the record for it. Yeah, now you're in. Because it, it's a passion for me. I just think it's so important. You know, how do we make decisions? How do we solve problems in teams? It's just of crucial importance. And I think it also helps create that social connection within the, t the work environment as well. And if we can learn to have a bit of fun developing better outcomes and challenges through good problem solving, then I think that's a great way to invest in our time. That's it. Awesome, Ash. Love being a teammate with you. So. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> All right, mate. Nice, nice to chat about teams. I think it's uh, been off the agenda a little bit too much, but let's get it back on. 
Let's get it back on. All right, Ash. See ya. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.